Hi guys, it's Alexander here. How are we all doing this evening? I hope you are all safe and well. And as always, I hope you're surviving this lockdown and uh, this really bizarre, bizarre world that we're living in at the moment. Wow, watching people walking around with with face masks and um, hand sanitizer and kind of paranoid and everyone watching each other and yeah, it's uh, it's a scary time. It really is. Um, yeah, so um, I wanted to do a podcast um, that I've been thinking about from the start when I first set up this channel. Um, a subject that's very close to my heart, and that is bullying. Um, now, I'm very aware that bullying doesn't just uh, affect kids, it can affect adults as well, it can affect all of us in very different ways, unfortunately, um, and I'm sure most of us have been through it at some point or another. Um, you know, it's unlikely that you go through life without ever encountering it. Um, so I thought I would tell you about my experience of it. I wanted to kind of um, open up and tell you my story, really. Um, uh, it might be a little bit of a long one this evening, um, but uh, hopefully you'll find it useful, interesting, perhaps it's something you, you can relate to. Um, as always, you can let me know your thoughts in the comments below, and uh, you know you can you can share if you wish. Um, you know that's that's why we're here, really, um, and hopefully we can kind of help each other. Um, I find. Um, Talking is a really good form of therapy. That's why I enjoy doing this so much. And I'm hoping tonight to kind of personally to find it um, perhaps a little bit cathartic, you know, um, getting it off my chest. I mean, I've told many people this story before, but um, never to quite, you know, such a wide audience, I guess. Um, anyway, I hope you find it useful. So, um, here goes. Okay. Um, I, as you can probably, you might be able to tell from my accent, which is a bit mixed, but um, I grew up in Ireland. I grew up in a tiny little seaside village. Um, uh, I was born in 1978, um, so a very um, crazy time, really, here. Um, a lot of stuff was going on a lot of problems, a lot of tension, um, and that was when I started going to school. And um, when I was um, very young, I remember uh, sort of dancing around the living room to Madonna. <laughs> I fell in love with her at a very young age. I'm still very much in love with her now. Um, and uh, I really wasn't at all prepared for school. Um, I hadn't really had that much interaction with other kids, um, apart from at birthday parties and, you know, um, kind of with neighbours, with neighbourhood kids, but um, I I was quite a happy child. Um, I remember being um, very cheerful and, um, you know, my family told me that I was um, kind of always happy and smiling and, you know, so, yeah, um, I, I had a good few, good early few years, I guess, of my childhood development. Um, no problems whatsoever. And um, then I started going to school, and I went to an all-boys school in the village that I grew up in, um, and everything changed. Um, pretty much from day one, um, kids started picking on me. Um, 
I was very quiet and very timid. Um, I, I, like I said, I didn't really have a lot of interaction with kids, so I just didn't really understand how to how to interact and how the whole sort of dynamics of it worked, really. Um, I found it very difficult, very, very difficult. I can remember, I think, my first day at school and just thinking, oh, my God, this is what's going on. This is horrific, you know. Um, and um, I never really um, could fit in. Um, I only had a couple of friends, really, um, who I would sort of talk to in the playground. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty rough. It was quite a shock to the system. Um, move ahead a couple of years, um, uh, things started getting worse when I was about probably eight or nine years old. Um, kids started to sort of understand words like puff and queer, and that's what I was called pretty much every day. Um, and, uh, I guess I was quite, um, quite a sort of, um, I'm almost feminine kind of little boy, you know. Um, I didn't really behave like a little boy at all. Um, I had, um, you know, grew up with sisters, so I didn't really have any kind of sort of positive male role models around me. Um, and the men that were around me were kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum to me completely. They were super masculine and, you know, into kind of... Um, racing and boats and you know all this sort of stuff and uh I just there was nothing I could really connect with um and so yeah the bullying started the the kind of um the the homophobic bullying started then before I even realized I was gay um probably wasn't until I was about probably about 11 years old I remember um noticing men in catalogs I remember one day reading a newspaper and there was a picture of I think it was called Mark Foster the swimmer and of course he was in the little speedos with the muscles about to dive into the pool and oh my god I thought he was the bee's knees I thought he was gorgeous and uh, I probably had my first orgasm after that uh, over that picture I think um, locked in the bathroom you know and uh, yeah so I I'd started to realize that I liked men and I was very attracted to men. Um, and in Ireland, we do what's called an 11 plus examination, which decides which school you can go to. It's terribly unfair. I don't know if it's still the same now, but um, it was pretty horrific to go through, really, you know, being examined at that young age. And um, I guess I didn't do so well then, um, probably because of all the bullying and all the stress that I was going through. And so I had to, instead of going to a grammar school, I had to go to a, a local high school. Uh, things got a lot worse. I mean, a lot worse. It was literally like out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, first day at this school, I was absolutely tormented. Um, it was horrific. I mean, not just by one or two, but by, you know, 20 kids. Um, all bigger than me and very aggressive and um, yeah it was it was really bad um, uh, as the years went on uh, things got worse because I decided to grow my hair of course you know which was a great idea at the age of 13 or 14 so I'd kind of sort of slightly longer than shoulder length hair and uh, 
I remember one day I'm uh, queuing up outside uh, an English class and I smell burning and one of the kids has set fire to the back of my hair. Yeah, um, can you imagine? It was pretty, pretty horrific. And I was, of course, mortified and humiliated and it was just awful. I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me. And um, I think that was the day... This is where it gets a little bit heavy, so bear with me, you know. We will come out the other side, but we've got sort of stormy seas ahead. Um, I think that was probably the day when I first um, thought about self-harm. And I, I think I went home and I got a Stanley knife, which is kind of like a knife with a very sharp blade for craft and, and stuff like that. And I cut my my arm for the first time. And um, I have no idea why I did it. Um, now it seems absolutely horrific and it's certainly not something I would ever do again. But at the time, I guess it was just so I could... I had so much pain and frustration inside of me. I had to feel it in a physical way. Um, I'm having a sip of coffee, sorry. And it kind of helped in a way. I remember feeling sort of relief to feel physical pain because the, the mental and emotional pain was so intense um, that I had to have a way of, of escaping it, you know, and feeling something else. And anyway, I did it one time and I kind of, you know, sort of healed and thought nothing of it. And then things got progressively worse. Um... I was just tortured from the day I went, from the minute I walked into school until the minute I left. I mean, going on the bus in the morning and getting the bus back home was like going to war, you know. Um, it was just, I knew I was going to get abuse the whole time. And um, sometimes it was physical, mostly it was sort of psychological abuse, it was verbal abuse. Um, and again, it wasn't just one kid, it was a ton of kids, literally a ton of them. Um, the, I, I remember, um, also, uh, probably the most, the most traumatic thing was doing physical education classes. I can still see to this day the boys changing room and it had showers at the back all open showers and I used to dread um, having to get changed and go into the shower because of course they would absolutely torture me you know and um, constantly getting called queer and puff and this and that and yeah um, all the names under the sun and um, so I would try and excuse myself from doing physical education um, as much as possible I would go and hide up in the art room or the music room I got really into art and music and uh, I was obviously a very creative kid and I would um, try to get out of it and go and take my book and um, I used to be a big fan of you know um, crime fiction or Stephen King horror novels I loved all that I used to read books all the time I'd take my book and go and hide in a little room on my own and uh, eat my sandwich and read my book and kind of um prepare myself for the next attack, you know? Anyway, I'm rambling a little bit. So, um, I started cutting myself again, and uh, this time I, I'm worse. Um, I do remember thinking that I wanted to die, and I tried to cut deeper and deeper, and um, 
uh, I um, yeah, it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I still to this day have quite a few scars up and down my arm. Luckily, they're not very prominent, and one arm is covered in tattoos, of course, uh, which is good. Which is precisely why it's covered in tattoos to hide the scars. Um, but anyway, it was getting things were getting pretty bad, and I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't really eating that well. Lost a lot of weight. Um, and I, um, over the course of a few years, I attempted suicide at least three times. Um, uh, one time my parents found me when I'd taken about a hundred paracetamol and I had thankfully thrown up everything all over the bedroom floor, you know, and they had to take me to the local doctor and, um, give me medication to stop me being sick and, um, and it got really, really bad um, when I I'd started smoking and um, <laughs> stupidly thinking I, I could get away with smoking uh, at school. I, I should say I was actually transferred. Sorry, I'm rambling a little bit tonight, but I was actually transferred to a different school. I was transferred to a grammar school um, uh, halfway through my exams um, because things got so bad. So when I was transferred to this grammar school, I'd started smoking and um, I uh, used to go and smoke in um, the old part of the building, which was behind the um, assembly hall. And there were toilets up there and I used to go up there. It was all abandoned, you know, and I was smoking a cigarette one day. There was a knock on the door and um the uh, I sort of said, leave me alone, I'm having a cigarette, thinking it was one of the kids. It turned out to be the vice principal who demanded I open the door, grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and mar- frog marched me through the assembly hall and I was sent home. And um, I um, ended up, I p- believe I ended up cutting myself quite badly and taking a lot of medication, basically everything I could find in the kitchen cabinet. Um, my parents had a sort of medicine, medicine cabinet that wasn't locked, and so I basically took everything I could. And uh, phoned my sister, told her what I'd done. I was taken to hospital, and um, anyway, very long story. And by the way, the reason I'm sort of um, jumping around a little bit is, honestly, my memory is not terribly clear of that time. Um, I guess because it was so traumatic, um, <clears throat> to try and recall the exact order of events is actually quite difficult for me. But anyway, I'm trying to give you an overall picture. Um, I um, ended up being um, hospitalized. Now, when I say hospitalized, I mean a, a psychiatric hospital. So I was um, put into a psychiatric hospital for three months for my own safety, I guess, because I was attempting suicide and things were so bad, really so bad, I literally could not function anymore. And that's what bullying had done to me, you know, (coughs) over the course of, this is probably when I was about 15. So since the age of seven, six, seven, until 15, it had just broken me down completely to the point I literally could not function in a school environment at all. <clears throat> so, um, I, um, that's when I was sort of diagnosed with having, um, bipolar disorder. Back in those days, they called it a chemical imbalance in the brain, um, which they thought was brought about because of all this bullying and all this trauma, you know, which can happen, uh, when the brain is still developing, 
so much trauma will cause it to sort of um, malfunction a little bit and you get kind of crossed wires and the chemicals don't quite work properly. So, but they didn't really have a name for bipolar back then, certainly not in Ireland. So anyway, I was diagnosed as having this chemical imbalance. Um, the time in hospital sort of gave me time to just escape. And actually, I met some really cool people. Um, yeah, it was it was actually a wonderful time um, because I could just completely relax and be myself. I didn't experience any bullying. Um, I told people that I was gay. They were absolutely fine with it. Um, they were just all dealing with their own problems and um, all sort of had gone through a great amount of stress and much more than me in some cases. And so it was a very um, supportive little community that we had. It was kind of of crazies, you know, and, um, yeah, um, and I didn't really want to leave. I mean, after three months, I sort of thought, my God, I don't want to go back to the real world. Anyway, um, I, this whole process had completely messed up my exams. I'd actually done very well in my initial exams, which in the UK are called uh, GCSEs. So you study 12 subjects, including English, maths and science. I had passed everything uh, with flying, you know, full stars, whatever. Flying colours, that's the term I'm looking for. I'd done really well and then um, I had started uh, to study what's called A-levels, which are uh, three subjects that you study to in order to enter university here. Um, started three, couldn't finish them, of course. Um, and I decided to apply to a further education college in the next biggest town. Um, and I studied three more subjects, um, which were English, literature, psychology and sociology, because I really wanted to sort of understand what was happening in my mind and how to interpret the world around me. And I loved languages and I loved reading books. So I think English would be a nice subject to study, nice and relaxing. And it was great, actually. I had a wonderful time. Um, spent a lot of time getting stoned, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of drinking. I was quite a wild boy. Um, and I made quite a few friends. Um, I, I was the only one who drove, so I used to give everyone a lift in my car. And I actually had a great time. I had such a good time, I didn't really spend a lot of time studying. And so I, um, I pretty much failed my exams and I had the option of staying for another year. And by that stage, I just thought, I just want to escape. So I went through, when you don't do very well at your A-levels, you have the option of going through what's called a clearing system, whereby you basically phone universities. When On the morning that you get your results, you phone all universities you can and find out which courses require the minimum sort of grades to enter and I found a, um, a university in Wales um, and uh, I applied for a European business studies uh, kind of it's kind of like a degree slightly lower than a degree which was absolutely ridiculous I had no interest whatsoever the only interest I had in that subject the only interest I had was actually escaping from Ireland and it worked. I got in and I went off to Wales and um, and then my life completely changed. Um, it was wonderful. It was so amazing to be away from such a toxic, prejudiced environment, um, to have complete freedom and anonymity 
Um, I had uh, I had a great time in Wales. I didn't stay at university for very long. I think it was two or three months, to be honest. And then I went and worked for a bank. And I went worked for another bank um, in the city of Cardiff. And uh, then I, uh, I, I met the person who was to um, become my partner. And I ended up moving to London. And then my life completely changed. Um, so... Yeah, what are we up to? 20 minutes now. Um, yeah, I, so there you go. That's basically um, the story of my my childhood and my experience of bullying and how it affected me. So it almost killed me, uh, really. It, it almost killed me um, four times over, you know. Um, and uh, it just absolutely, le- it leaves the deepest scars um you know, I was, I was, um, not, not afraid, I didn't really have social phobia, um, I had trust issues, and I still probably do to this day, I'm getting better, because, you know, now I'm a 42-year-old man, so obviously, um, I've been through a lot of experiences, I've lived abroad, um, I've been through lots of different relationships, and, uh, I've got a much better idea of, um, my own mind, and, um, I I think also you begin to you begin to analyze things and you begin to understand it from the bully's perspective which is very very hard to do because I went through a long period of anger um a lot of anger um I don't know if anyone's seen the handmaid's tale a very very good series I believe on Amazon um, uh, um, with, I think, the lovely Elizabeth Moss, who also produced it. And she plays the character of June, who's sort of the main character. And when you see that sort of anger and frustration and pure hatred for the the people who are attacking her and the people who are, who are putting her through so much pain, um, that's how I felt for many years. And it took me a long time to really kind of let that anger go and um, I still get angry sometimes when I think about it. I think especially because um, I'm quite a studious person. Um, I love researching things, I love studying, I love learning new things and uh, I love languages, I I love you know um, art and music and literature and um, and I feel like I had my education stolen from me and I was actually if if that had been a very different situation or if I'd been in a different situation where I wasn't put under that sort of stress, I probably could have done very well. I'm quite sure I would have gone to university. I would have maybe done a master's and had diplomas on the walls. Now, instead, I've got nothing. You know, um, I literally have no qualifications whatsoever. Um, but anyway, um, how shall I round this up? So... Yeah, bullying, um, it really has such a horrible, horrible, horrible effect. Um, And it's not fair and it's not right. And it's something that I would really love to try to stamp out in whatever way I can. Um, I guess as I sit here tonight talking to you all, I think about, you know, perhaps teenagers who are going through what I went through 25 years ago. Um, And yes, the world has changed and it's perhaps becoming more accepting, um, certainly in, you know, Western countries. But um, 
I think for kids, it's still, you know, it hasn't changed that much. Kids can be very cruel. Um, they really can. They don't understand empathy or compassion. Um, they sort of, they, they are fueled by complete instinct. Um, uh, they haven't developed those sort of skills yet. Um, and it makes them very cruel and very, very merciless, you know, and that's what I experienced was that kind of merciless torture. It was, it was really horrific. Um, yeah, so I think about the kids going through what I went through and I just think, God, if there's some way that I can, I, I don't know, you know, um, get my story out and say, look, this is what happened to me. It was horrific. I did come through it and... In some ways, it's made me stronger. In some ways, it's kind of made me a little bit too guarded, I think. Um, as a person, I can be very difficult to, to be with in relationships. I'm very difficult to be with. I have a lot of trust issues. I can be very guarded. Um, and, you know, damaged people will always kind of protect themselves. So we'll always put ourselves first. Really, that's just the way it is, you know. Um, We've got a very sort of good self-defense mechanism um, because you absolutely don't want to go through that again. So, um, yeah, it causes sort of certain personality traits which are not so good. And, um, you know, I'm currently single. I've been single pretty much on and off for like three years, most of three years now. I can't see myself getting into a relationship at all. I mean, I'll, I'll do another podcast about relationships and maybe talk about that. But, um, yeah, so anyway... Um, but, um, yeah, understanding it from the bully's perspective, I always think, I remember someone telling me that, you know, bullies bully because they were bullied themselves. It's a chain reaction. Um, so when you see someone behaving in that way, it it's often because they're taking out frustration um, on someone else. And it is, um, it's horrible. It really is, you know. Um, but I, we can get through it. Um, I guess the reason I wanted to tell you my story is if you are someone experiencing that, and I'm really sorry if you are, I really feel for you, my heart goes out to you, um, just know that you, you can find the strength to get through it. Uh, we can find inner strength. And um, I think through really positive thinking, <clears throat> and um, visualizing a better life for ourselves, uh, we can um, overcome <clears throat> these obstacles, you know, um, even though it seems um, completely impossible is the word insurmountable, insurmountable, insurmountable at the time, um, you know, we can overcome it, and time is an incredible healer. And so to finish off, um, if you are going through trouble like that, or any kind of trouble at the minute, if you are experiencing, you know, depression, anxiety, prejudice, bullying, um, all of which kind of affect people in sort of the same way, I think it all kind of erodes at our sense of self-esteem and our sense of self-confidence, our sense of self-worth, um, feel makes us feel powerless, you know, um, like we're not in control. There are two people that I would recommend either reading or listening to, and I'm going to link them in the description below. Uh, the first is uh, Louise Hay, 
who I believe has passed away now, actually, sadly, um, she wrote a very famous book called You Can Heal Your Life. So I will link, I believe there is an audio book on uh, YouTube, which I shall, I'm just writing it down as I talk to you, I shall link to that in the description below. Uh, now, the other person, I believe her name is Marissa Peer, and she is <clears throat> an excellent, excellent um, therapist. Uh, she is famous all over the world. Um, she really, really helps people to change their thinking. And by changing your thinking, you can really change your life. You can really change your situation and change the outcome of something. Um, I, I remember a very good friend of mine who was a, an artist um, from, uh, from the States. Um, she once said to me, you, you only, a good therapist only has to change your perspective by a few degrees to set you on a very different path. If you think if you change that pathway just a few degrees, um, the point which you will end up at will be very far from the point, the direction in which you were going in the first place. So all you have to do is start changing your thinking, um, start thinking positively and start thinking about ways that you can change things. Um, it can be little incremental changes. But, you know, there's a wonderful expression, mighty oaks from little acorns grow. Think about that. An oak tree grows from a tiny, tiny little acorn. All you have to do is plant that seed in your mind and um, you'll end up with a very majestic, strong, strong tree with roots going very deep into the ground. And again, I'm, I really want to do um, some podcasts about um, visualization, about meditation, about the law of attraction, because these are the things that have helped me in life. Um, when I've been at my darkest hour, and believe me, I've had points in life where I had no idea how I was going to survive. Um, I can tell you horror stories about relationship breakups, about spending nights in youth hostels, in both London and Barcelona. I've done it twice or three times now. Um, nowhere to live, hardly any money, really stuck, you know, really trapped and thinking, I just don't know how I'm going to get myself out of this situation. But by using these kind of tools and by applying them, um, it really does help. It really does make a difference. I truly believe we can manifest good things in our lives. Um, there's also, I believe his name... Is it Lewis Hayes? Uh, he's a very good guy. I will try and find... I'll find his exact name and I'll find his YouTube page and perhaps his website. So I'll give you three people that you can go and research. And these people are incredibly positive and incredibly powerful. They have helped thousands, millions of people all over the world um, with a number of different issues, um, from health problems to psychological issues, relationship breakdowns, trauma, victims of abuse, you know, victims of violence, all sorts of things. Um, so just know that there are resources out there that can really help you. And um, in the same way that they've, they've helped me, I mean, I feel like I'm now 42. I'm going to be 43 in September. Um, I feel really positive about life. And I've overcome a lot of battles I never thought I could overcome. And I will talk to you about other things, you know, in future podcasts and sort of tell you a little bit more um, about sort of my story, you know, in my 20s and my 30s, I, I went through an awful lot. And, um, 
Yeah, and you know, I've come out the other side of it. Um, a much more positive person and wanting to help other people and wanting to hopefully inspire other people to to change their life, to make the situations better, you know, um, to get out of that bad relationship, to change your job if you're not happy, to move out of that little village and go to a big city where you can be yourself, where you can express yourself, you don't have to hide, you don't have to worry, you're not going to be the victim of abuse and, you know, prejudice and homophobia. Um, you really can make things happen. You just have to believe in yourself. And just to end off, um, I was listening to uh, Taylor Swift um, for most of this morning, and uh, I love her music. And I looked at her and I thought, how did she become so successful? And it must be because she always believed in herself. She never gave up. She had her dream and she nothing would stop her from from reaching that goal, you know. And it's that self-belief. It's not letting the doubt creep in. Doubt is a total killer of ideas. It's a killer of creativity and it's a killer of change, you know. Um, so next time you feel like you, you can't change things, you feel like it's an impossible situation, you know, look at someone like that. Look at the person you admire whether it's a singer or an artist or a politician or whoever it is, you know, um, writer and actor, and just think, well, you know, these people, they believe in themselves. They, they get up every morning and they say, I am going to be the best version of myself that I can be, and I'm going to love myself as much as I can love myself. Sounds corny, I know, but, you know, it does, it does work. It does really help. And um, anyway, so this has been a very long podcast tonight. Wow, almost 35 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I've enjoyed talking about it. It's it's not the most pleasant subject, of course, but I'm hoping I ended up in a positive note and I'm hoping you find the links below will be helpful to you um, as much as they've helped me. And I hope that you all keep safe and keep well and you enjoy your evening, and next time we will have a more fun podcast. Uh, we'll get back to talking about something naughty, all right? So you guys have a nice evening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.